<laughs> recording everyone over the previous one, right? Well, welcome back, dear listener, to High Noon on the Moon. When you left us, our hero, Ace Rocket, finally stared down across the town thoroughfare, his evil nemesis, Grim Spacely. Their eyes furrowed. They watched each other's hands, waiting for the inevitable deadly moment of draw. <gasps> I can't. <gasps> no helmet. I can't. A <gasps> gun will fire. <gasps> and there you have it, dear listener. <laughs> this is the dumbest thing we've ever done. This is. I, uh, Roll tape. Keep yeah. rolling. <laughs> They seem to be twitching on the ground. Not the cold earth of earth, but the cold earth of moon. Next week, trouble in the saloon. We're out of air. We're still, we never built a dome. I don't know how I'm talking, but we're dead. <laughs> this sucks. Tune in next space time, next space channel. <laughs> High noon on the moon. High noon on the moon. High noon on the moon. Crab shoot, crab shoot, crab shoot, crab shoot, crab shoot, crab shoot, na 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 na, crab shoot. Hello and welcome to episode fourteen of the Crab Shoot. Uh, I'm Josh Millard. That's Josh Millard, and I'm Jesse Holden. That's Jesse Holden, and uh, we're, uh, we're we're getting going here. It's just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have any topics. We don't have any plan, but uh, we like opening beer on mic, and uh, so we had to get the mic going so we can open beer on it. We usually race pretty quickly to start recording as soon as I show up here because we don't drink the beer before we start recording, and we both just want to drink the beer. It really, it, you would think we could come up with a, a way to drink beer that would involve less. <laughs> Uh, complicated logistics than this, you know. Maybe, maybe not so much with the requiring that we, you know, set up microphones and a laptop and and, and so on. If anyone out there knows a simpler way to drink beer, let us know because we would love We've to been be looking, free but, of the uh, shackles yeah. of this responsibility. I checked Wikipedia. I couldn't find anything. I just, yeah, I don't know what the deal is. So, uh, so yeah, and and yet here we are. You're the one with the the, the bottle opener. Uh, oh yeah, and, and you're just staring at me and moving your damn mouth and, Hol- and holding the keys to the kingdom. Jesus Christ! Uh, how are you doing? How are you doing, Mister Holden? Uh, not great today. I mean, good. I'm good. I'm good. I have I have a bit of a headache. Um, here's a beer for you. Why? Right, thank you. Full service. And. Uh, yeah, this is the crapshoot. This is the show where I show up at Josh's house and walk into his basement with beer, and then we talk while we drink the beer. That's, that's the price of entry. Is that a good? Is that a good summary? That's, of the yeah, but that, that's really show? yeah. It's it's interesting how much it's concretized along those lines. <laughs> like I, that was sort of my vague impression of you know what the dynamic of the show would be when I first pitched the idea to you, but uh, but that seems to be the core thing that's actually stuck through. Like that's not so much like you know the vibe as literally that's the show. That's the part that's stuck. Not the idea of tight twenty minute segments jumping from three topics show to show. Not the idea of like actively heavily scheduling guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, it's it's the you have beer and now we talk part that really <laughs> that's that turns out to be the heart and soul of this whole venture, which is works well for me because it turns out the part that I enjoy about most is uh, the drinking and the talking. You know? Oh, good. Um, the part I enjoy most is the company, but I guess 
Well, you no, know. I guess no. I'm so cutting here. I guess you got that with talking. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, are you? How do you feel about the the guest schedule, I- erraticity? You, you know, I. Erraticism. Oh yes, like the yes. Well, it's 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 the same as I expected it to be. So it's a kind of homo erraticism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's funny because I really I, I remember being all guests. Let's try and schedule guests, and okay, sometimes if we don't have guests, you know, we can make do. We and can and fill, yeah. it turns out I'm really comfortable just talking to you too. You oh, know, good. and 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 I've had enough stuff going on. I think as part of it that I've been feeling a little bit uh, like, wow, I've I've got I've loaded up my plate here. So so being a little bit more erratic about it, not worrying so much about it, has actually been. I think better for my overall stress level than than my notional hardcore. No, let's do this every week. Let's get guest scheduled. A lot of that, a lot of thing that I think uh, was sort of what I was bucking for at the start. So, I I think I think we've had really good guests, and I'm really enjoy like, and all the guests have been really really good at just rolling with our kind of atypical setup and non format and stuff. Yes, no and one's had a really freaked good out. Time. Yeah, no one has freaked out at all <laughs> when you've dragged them to your base. Yeah, it's, it's it's been nice, and, and I, I would like to keep doing that. And, and yeah, it's, I think it, I think it, all else being equal, I'd rather have a guest show than a non guest show usually. But I like having both, and I and I, I like doing both of them. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Anyway, I was just curious. Um, it's funny because the other thing the show turns into is sort of a document of us getting to know each <laughs> other. <laughs> You brought this up with my mom on the last episode, and it's just well, it, it just it became much clearer to me when your mom is sitting there because then it feels like yeah, oh yeah I'm going to talk to you about my relationship with your son you know it's like and I don't know if I'm like you know asking for her blessing to be on a podcast with you or what exactly but uh, but I don't know just it 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 really shone a light on it for me. <laughs> It's kind of it's kind of like in earnest a really sweet little thing is just a little like time capsule of us yeah. getting to know each other as yeah. it were and working out the you know conversational patterns and you know all that stuff is fun. The the bitter strained tail end of the relationship uh, in a few years is going to be really kind of a weird document to listen to, you know. Well, we things. we're going to have to get to that at some point or else there's no arc to the whole thing. You know, you really yep. need a, a, a narrative arc. To well, these. and as, as we learned from horse ebooks, about four years mm-hmm. is is the right timeline before it turns out that this is actually all an elaborate uh, advertisement for a ski resort in Taos. <laughs> um, that was an ask meta filter. Wasn't that was it? that was oh, an amazing thing from years ago. Yeah. Uh, just like uh, there was never a more pure example of a be sure to drink your Ovaltine moment <laughs> in a, in a you know. What? Mystery, and it was like a really diabolically clever riddle, or was it not? It I don't think I don't think it was even diabolically, diabolically clever. Ambiguous. It's just it, it was yeah, it was it was surprisingly eye catching mm. as something that turned out to be so fucking dull. Like you know, people were excited because they thought if someone was bothering to try and be sort of clever and coy and do a ARG thing like this, you know, then there was probably something cool behind it, and it turned out to be the least cool thing that could possibly <laughs> be behind it. I mean, short of like, it could have been, I guess it could have turned out to be like a tax accountancy. It could have turned out to be like H&R Block trying to, uh, you know, get you to come in and get your taxes done or something. Could have been a little bit worse, because at least, at least maybe one in a thousand people who was interested in the puzzle was also like really into skiing. It was like, oh shit, a new <laughs> ski resort, okay. But no so one's, for a little you know. context for someone who really has no idea what we're talking about, 
maybe you probably remember better than me. I but don't even remember the details very well. It was but. like a website that just had a countdown on it or yeah. something like that. And but then a little poking and you look at the wait the code for the website and there's, and there's some, some kind of like yeah, some hints. and you can look into who registered the domain name and that like kind of leads us down a path. Yeah, and so the question was what was this account down to? What was the big mystery? And I think there was a couple things in the zeitgeist right then too, like maybe like Halo was going to come out or some new version of some game or some major movie franchise or music thing. There was a couple things that were advanced as pretty plausible theories because everyone kind of suspected they were right on the cusp of being announced anyway. Um, I don't know. Like the the you're right that the outcome was so fucking bland that it's almost like defied belief. Yeah. That I would almost and maybe this doesn't fit the facts, but now in hindsight, I'm thinking like, what if it was for like some project or some art thing or some like maybe indie game designer or some someone had really actually had a thing they were going to try and knock the socks off the world with and it just didn't pan out or the project fell apart but they had you know gathered so much interest that they just basically bid it out sold the rights to whoever yeah Yeah. hey this whatever this surprise can be yours right we already have however many ten hundred thousand eyes on this exactly um you know, and the ski resort was like, sure, we have a weird marketing budget we can throw at this or something. Yep. Maybe something like that. Would that be a possible actual explanation? <laughs> It'd be possible. I mean, I don't know that it's super likely or anything. It's mm. it seems It seems simpler to me for someone doing advertising for some ski resort startup to just like be like, oh, here's what we'll do. The kids these days, they love the... Uh, the hoaxes and so we'll uh or and we'll do the mystery and you know they were like oh, okay that sounds kids great i'll have muffy send you the papers the, they love the hoaxes yeah <laughs> you know the kids with the hoaxes with the fake websites and the countdowns and the you know, the domain registration information <laughs> the gaga for it they love it oh my god you know whose podcast does have a well-defined format who's ice tea I just started listening to this shit, and it's like one of don't don't even listen to our podcast. Listener, stop <laughs> listening to our podcast and start listening to Ice Teas. I I want to be clear here because I'm not aware. Are we talking about the actual Ice Tea, or is this a project of Paul F. Tompkins who likes doing Ice Tea as a character on Comedy Bang Bang and and this, his own things? This is Ice Tea, the man himself. Ice okay. Tea from Body Count. Ice Tea from Law and Order SVU. I think is the one he's on. One of them, yeah. It's like for 15, 16 straight years. Um, and uh, he has a podcast called, uh, I think it's called uh, Ice Tea Final Level. And I listened to, at listen to episode three because the first 15 minutes are him talking about doing, reading uh, for audible.com. He read an audiobook for them that you can download, and it's like a Dungeons and Dragons universe story. And Ice <laughs> Tea trying to explain what Dungeons and Dragons is is about the best listening experience I've had all year. He's just like so far. he's straight up reading a, a Dragonlance novel or something. He I don't know because he it's just on the podcast he just talks about the experience of recording it. He's like these motherfuckers talk like Yoda. They be all they be all like I I <laughs> forth I went to the sunlight thraw or you know and he's he's like. He's trying to figure out what the plural Pegasus is. He's like, oh, God, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. But it's just like, you know, there's like really like little five-minute segments. It's like now we talk about video games, and then they talk about video games, and now we talk about philosophy, and they talk about philosophy, and like, and then he has like a call-in segment and stuff. It's like really like a, like, 
formulaic but not in a like bad way just like here's here's the things we're gonna do every episode coke has a formula and that's worked mm-hmm. out very well for it's worked them, out pretty well know? for them so yeah ice tea check out ice tea's podcast episode three it was a gem <laughs> <laughs> that's been podcast talk uh no yeah i had no i had no idea he was doing that that's 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 interesting to, i don't even remember how know. i came across it i think someone on twitter was like Listen to Ice T talk about Dungeons and Dragons. This shit will make your day. That would pretty much do it. <laughs> I actually want to go back to something you said uh, earlier, incidentally, when I was making incidental conversation with you at the start of the show, where I was like, uh, how are you doing? Or mm-hmm. how are how, how you doing today? And and you said, not well, or something like that. Sure. Not, not so great, may have been the phrase. And then immediately sort of redirected on that. And, 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 and that's an interesting thing. You really can't say something other than good to how you're doing without it feeling like you're trying to like get into something. It's a weird thing about right. conversation, but there's like not really a whole lot of room for actual admission that life is not going smoothly during a pleasantry without really sort of upturning the cart on the whole pleasantry process. <laughs> it just sort of jumped out at me. It's like like if you say, oh, not so great, it's like... And right. like you know, yeah. So, I, I, were you feeling like you were overstating the case by very mildly acknowledging you didn't have the best possible day? You know, no, not really. I mean, I, I personally, I like to, I try to be uh, honest when I get asked that question, but not in a way that arrests the entire conversation and like you said upturns the card a little bit like if i'm having a rough day i like to say well it's looking up or what you know or you know keep on keeping on type of thing yeah. or if i'm having a great day i'm like oh i'm doing awesome how you know i like to i like to because i like to assume that sometimes people actually care about the answer so i like to give an answer but you can give a closed ended answer i not that i did a great example of that today because i um but uh, yeah, no, I think it's good. It's I think it's good to be straight up with people, and See, not just r- brush off a question like that. I, I guess I part know. of it for me is like I'm. I feel like I'm as likely to encounter that particular sort of interaction in like a commerce situation as anything. Oh yeah, God. Like like, and that's the thing. It's like it, like even if I, even if it's an actually chipper, attentive looking like clerk at the grocery store, you know, who seems to be not so much zombieing as trying to be a conversational nice person while they're checking you out. Mm-hmm. You know, I do. I really want to get into what's going on with my day that's subpar <laughs> with this guy is checking out my, you know, 10 items. Do I want to be like, well, you know, actually I'm really trying to get my head around this thing that I've been really neurotic about. And, you know, it's like I'm coping, but at the same time, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to feel like I've really settled the situation so much as just sort of delayed it for now by making a superficial <laughs> decision that'll like set me off a couple steps until I have to return to a late, you know, it's like, you don't want to fucking right. do that. No. Why would you like, at that point, you're not, you, you're sort of like taking the right to respond to the actual question and turning it into like a huge, like, you know, violation of actual reasonable, like social boundaries in the context. But at the same time, that's, you know, that's what people do. It's like, how are you doing? Not, not like, Oh, buy some things, you know? So it's, it's a weird little, I don't know. I think, I think that the, well, obviously law one is don't make the person regret asking you, which means give them a close, like a closed ended, 
Yeah. And sh- cur- you know, short, closed ended, and not too depressing. Yeah. I mean, he's like, to stick oh, to that. I've had right? better. Or is like, right. oh, I'm getting through it. Right. That works okay. Well, my mom just died. So, yeah. you know, like, the- <laughs> right. That would be short and closed ended, <laughs> but it wouldn't, you know, it would make them regret asking because it's miserable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you can say, like, oh, I've had better. Or, oh, you know, I'm glad this day's over. So stuff like that, I think, sure. is like totally, yeah. I, you know, I think it's good to be a little honest. And as long as you're, you know, you know, don't make someone regret asking you, but um, I'll make you regret asking me because I oh, do have sure. a headache. And sure, I mean, that yeah. was the answer. I, I, I don't know what could possibly be more boring than tuning into a podcast to listen to someone complain about their headache, but <laughs> here we fucking go. Oh, I, I can I, I, I can uh, I can tell you a car story that's just as like <laughs> like, like this. This isn't anywhere near putting diesel in, in, in the tank of my gas car. Uh, the car wouldn't start on on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Just like wouldn't like nothing. Battery just seemed dead. So we, mm-hmm. we got it jumped by a friend and drove it up to the dealership in Vancouver and left it there and they looked at it first thing Monday morning and they ran a little current to the battery and it started up just fine and so they said it was fine we came and got it and it's been running fine so probably we left the lights on or something but we don't think we left the lights on hmm. there's your yarn yeah. there's your rip roarer that's a cars oof. sometimes <laughs> you don't know what's going on with them I had a battery that died over and over years and years for in the same car and um it, you know, I'd replace it. I installed a whole system where I could disconnect the battery when I parked the car so it wouldn't be draining while I was, you know, away from the car. And stuff. This is my first car and I was like 16, 17. And then one time I, uh, I happened to notice at night after I parked it that there was just like a teeny little light bulb in the trunk that didn't turn off when I closed the trunk. And it had just been eating my battery for years. Mm. You know, it cost me hundreds of dollars. Um, so that was fun to smash that light bulb angrily. That's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, um, the headache I have is is because um, last week I went through a, a bit of uh, some a problem with my stomach, and I had to go to urgent care, and I had to get you know I had to I'm on doctor's orders right now, and those include. Um, uh, you know, no spicy food, nothing that's really like harm, harmful to the stomach lining, which I kind of has to rebuild. Um, you know, no hard alcohol and no coffee. And it's very, very <laughs> difficult for me to live without coffee. I was going to say, yeah, caffeine, uh, yeah. caffeine withdrawal headache is, uh, I mean, I'm drinking a beer because it's part of, you know, it's a mandatory for the show in my opinion, but, um, I, I can pretty much get by without alcohol for, you know, a certain amount of time, but no coffee is like, it changes the whole tenor of my life in oh, a sure. big way. Um, but it's also, you know, super acidic and I'm trying to do some, you know, more gentle tea, green tea and stuff and get some caffeine in, but yeah. like every, every, almost every caffeine delivery system, you know, caffeine pills, Red Bulls, all the energy drinks and stuff really have like carbonated they're like sweetened and they're really like acidic, which is what I have to avoid right now. So it's really hard for me to get yeah. caffeine in my system right now. Well, yeah. I mean, tea seems like a pretty good choice as far as that goes, um, it seems like it's, it's a, just not it's not scratch i mean i kind of drink a lot of coffee i mean i drink three yeah. four cups of coffee a day and and uh it i just can't get there with see, tea. And, see and i just i i i pretty much drink tea I, I drink tea every fucking morning like i have like a couple cups at least of black tea every morning and coffee is like a now and then sort of thing right hmm. now and there was a while where i was drinking coffee more regularly and and uh i think i'm better off but uh i also don't necessarily need 
to be turbocharged so much as just to unblearify a little bit in yeah. the morning. You know, it's like I, I, I get up, I, I feed the cats, and I sit down at my computer and, and get on the clock and start paying attention to people arguing on the internet. You know, it's not, <laughs> it, it, it's not exactly something where it comes down to like twitch reflexes or anything. Right. You know, it's like not like I need to, to be awake to drive to work or anything. Uh, and, and so it works out okay for me, and, and uh, it, it messes with my digestion less, mm-hmm. I guess, is the is the polite way to say it doesn't make me poop so mm-hmm. aggressively. I see. Um, so so I'm glad I put it, you know, diplomatically. Yeah, that was, I've um, spared me the gritty details. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. So I, I got really used to it, and I didn't really expect it, because Angela, my wife, had, had been a tea drinker for a long time, and mm. I, I had been more of a, a coffee drinker, and then I over the last many years have totally gotten on board with the tea thing and I don't know I mean it is different and I, I think it works well for me because it's different because every once in a while I'll have coffee and I'll have a little too much coffee and I get really wired hmm. and uh, and so clearly I've deacclimated myself enough that like you know like a couple of cups of coffee I'm going to be you know, coffee buzzed like another cup of coffee, and I'm just going to be like, yeah. you know, I, 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 I and yeah, I'd like to think it would make me just get a lot done that day, which happens every once in a while. But a lot of the time, it just makes me vibrate a lot while I sit still, not getting anything done. You know, it's like I'm, I'm just sort of like shaking a little bit at the computer. You know, it's, it's not a real great setup. So, right. So we're on we're on we're on either sides of a of a coffee habit line here. I think, well, basically. I think that you, like you hit the nail on the head is that you it just becomes the new normal, right? Your body acclimates to whatever chem, chemical receptor arrangement it needs to for based on what your diet of those chemicals is like, and and so for me, it's drinking that much coffee is good, but I don't know it probably it doesn't probably ultimately get me to a higher level than a couple cups of tea gets you to. It's just it takes that for me to get to normal, <laughs> um, because yeah. that's what I'm. That's the precedent I said. Because you're an addict. Because yeah. Because you have a chemical right. addiction. Because yeah, first, I mean, I think the first it's the same with is, it, right? uh, developing an addiction. acute stomach condition. Mm-hmm. I think is what they say in the recovery process. Man, it was bad. I was like curled up in the fetal position and stuff. Were you like was... Were you like sick or just like you know like it just hurt? Like pain, it wasn't yeah. the the the. Um, to put it more diplomatically than uh, someone I might mention. Um, it, were you pooping? <laughs> were you pooping? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't puking or pooping. Um, it, the 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 plumbing worked normally. It was just was like a you know a giant t- tense knot in my stomach yeah. that hurt very badly. Which is why I didn't think it was my stomach at first. I thought it was appendix. I thought it was gallbladder. What, yeah. Who knows? Liver. I don't know. Was this like uh, like pre ulcer sort of situation or? The word also didn't come up in the in the urgent care appointment, but um, it was it was also like a matter of like here's some treatment if it's what we think it might be. If it's not, come back and we'll talk about what else it could yeah. be, and then we're going to have to do labs. We're going to have to talk about ER visit. Um, but I responded really well to the treatment, which I am taking to mean that it was just stomach lining yeah. depletion. Um, I don't think that it's an ulcer thing. You know what you can do is you can just swallow a Ziploc bag, mm. and then you've got sort of a secondary lining mm-hmm. uh, right there helping you out. That's good. Uh, or I could put the, the food and drink that I'm eating or drinking into a bag and then just eat that. That could work. That yeah. could work. Yeah, uh, delivery system. Yeah. Um, or, or you could take drugs that way in the other direction, which I guess is really popular with people who live near the border. I don't know why. I think it's just huh. a... Just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. For funsies. For kicks. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to a break. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if we've achieved lift up on this one. Maybe we need more coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. 
mic, you can sing a song for everyone. Your 15 minute slot is yours to do it as you please. No one will object if you sing about the girl who broke your heart. And everybody claps. Outside to smoke when someone boils at the mic. You order lots of coffee and you scribble down the things that come to mind. And everybody claps, nobody boos. When you risk nothing, you've got nothing to lose. Ignore the things that bore you, applaud the things you like. At the open mic, at the open mic. Hi, my name's Johnny P, and um, this is the thing I've been working on on the guitar, so um, here we go. Everybody claps, nobody moves. When you risk nothing, you've got nothing to lose. Ignore the things that bore you, applaud the things you like. At the open mic, at the open mic, everybody claps, nobody moves. When you risk nothing, you've got nothing to lose. Ignore the things that bore you, applaud the things you like. At the open mic, at the open mic, everybody claps, nobody moves. When you risk nothing, you've got nothing to lose. Ignore the things that bore you, applaud the things you like. At the open mic, at the open mic. All right, and we're back. You you talked to um for a second about your car not starting. Have you ever? This is just came, came up in a conversation I was having with my partner earlier. Have you ever had to sleep in your car? Uh, I've never had to sleep in my car. I've never been in a situation where sleeping in a car was my only option. But one time when I was a kid, hmm. uh, we went camping, uh, me and my family. And so there's like, oh, uh, there were at least four of us. My my sisters might have been off at college or elsewhere at the time. But me and my little brother were certainly there. And my, my mom and my dad. And we were on this big camping trip. It was like a church group thing, kind of. Uh, so there's a bunch of us at various campsites. Um and it just rained like a motherfucker. And uh, the tent and the tarp it was on top of had not been set up well enough to deflect this, I guess. And so the tent basically got good and wet. Like the bottom of the tent was wet. Uh, and my parents uh, put up with this, I guess, as, 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 as much as they did. Uh, but me and my little brother were both like, fuck this. And so we went and got in the minivan and uh, just sat in the front seats and, and tilt them all the way back and just slept that way till morning because it was like the dumbest thing in the world as far as we could tell so uh <laughs> but yeah that's not really that's not really what you think of when someone's like oh yeah i had to sleep in my car i don't think you know it's usually more right. of a this is a shitty situation involving a lack of an actual you know place to sleep or possibly a car breakdown in the worst possible situation but yeah have you yeah because if lot- not then we're <laughs> nowhere with a lot of times <laughs> yeah no no dude i uh, um it, you know it's 
when I was younger and I, you know, drank a lot is a, more of a lifestyle than a recreational <laughs> pursuit. Um, it, it, I would just end up sleeping in my car and it, it would be like probably, sleeping in your car because you need to leave, but you can't drive that. That was one. Yeah. It's it probably most often, um, because, you know, I, one of the reasons I drank was to deal with like social anxiety and, um, that would help to a point and then it would backfire at, at a, after a certain amount of alcohol. And I would, um, I'd be like at parties or at a bar or whatever. And uh, it would just come to a certain point and I would just be like, either like I would just suddenly feel like extremely self-conscious or I'd feel like I was drunker than everyone else, whether I was or not. It was a good likelihood that it actually was. Um, or just for whatever reason, I would just feel like all of a sudden I'm not able to click in the uh, conversation right now yeah and it's awkward and i just sort of don't want it to just spiral down so i would just like i'm just going to walk outside and just be out of the situation and you know a lot of times it just ended up with me getting in my car and passing out so like i would you know fall asleep in my car at a party or whatever um other times yeah it would be like uh the the best of bad options because i had you know i didn't have a penny in my pocket and i couldn't get a cab and i couldn't walk home and i was at the bar and i was too drunk to drive and stuff like that um I, last time i did that um it was uh i i had gotten i had too much whiskey at a punk show on alberta excuse me at a um at a bar called the No on Alberta here in Portland. The one with well, one with Bill Cosby. Right, right. Yeah, we talked about that. That's where I saw Victor and Associates. With, right, uh, Conan, right. Conan was on the show. Um, this was before that, though. It was, um, and I was like, you know, I get in my car and I turn the key and I drive half a block, and I'm like, this is not, this is not the way to deal with, you know, I, I need, I need to not drive home. And but Alberta is a heavily traffic street, and it's, you know, it's a, there's a little bit of ignobility to be, you know, seen in your own you know, sleeping in your car if a coworker recognizes you, and who knows what's going to come of that, you know, yeah. it's, it just doesn't seem like something you want to be on a heavily traffic street. It's probably not like legal i don't think either so it's just, you know i was avoiding a ticket it's nice too so I, so in the, you know the dark of a neighborhood that i wasn't familiar with i just drove a couple blocks off of it and and um parked and fell asleep and i woke up the next morning and there was just throngs of people walking around my car on both sides past my car and just kind of you know looking in eyeing suspiciously but no one was stopping or doing anything about it and i realized what i had done was i had parked my car in the middle of a church parking lot and it was <laughs> Sunday morning, and all these churchgoers were just like kind of like a river running around my car in the middle of the parking lot. And uh, it was, it was a special, it was like Father's Day or something, too. It was like one that was especially heavily traveled, you know, some kind of holiday (laughs) where a lot of people that right, that was a little ignoble, I think. Another that's that's like uh, you know, and 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 you're sort of immersed in the river in the church parking lot. That's that's like a weird sort of like parallel (laughs) baptism story right there. Like you could have you could have very easily you know gone in a a whole new spiritual direction right now there if it had somehow you know struck you. Right, I didn't. Nope, Nope. kept fucking up. (laughs) (laughs) But years before that though, it was I had um, I had ducked out of a party. I was at some kids' houses, and we're all just listening to a lot of music and whatever. And and uh, again, it was like I was just like I, you know, I can't I can't hang anymore. I can't hack it right now. And so uh, you know, I, I I take off to go to sleep. And um, you know, the next morning when uh, this, this guy there, Jared, was like, "Hey, are you okay from last night?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Do you remember me 
do you remember talking to me after you went to sleep? And I was like, no. And he's like, you really don't remember this happening at all? And I was like, no. Like, after I left to go to, he's like, yeah, okay. So you take off. This is him telling me. You take off, um, and about five minutes later, we hear this car horn start. And it's just, and it doesn't stop. And it goes on for like a minute and a half. And finally, we're like, what the fuck is going on? And so I get up and I follow the sound of the noise and I walk. And, you know, this is a little outside of town. So he's like, I walked to, you know, past the trees and stuff. And I see, and I get, and it's coming from your car. And I walk up to the window and you were just passed out with your face on your own car horn. <laughs> and the corn is just blaring like super loud and like and you have like before you pass out you had like put your plugged your you know ipod into your tape deck and like turned the music like this metal like up way too loud and uh it's just it's just like like chaos noise like as you you know you take a speaker past a certain point it doesn't really get louder yeah, it just, it just gets shittier. breaking up yeah <laughs> And he's so I'm like knocking on your window, and then I'm pounding on your window, and and you kind of like wake up for a second, the horn stops, and you look around, and you get your bearings, and you like look out the window, and you squint until you can see me, and then you just like roll down the window, and you're like, hey, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, you your your face, you passed out with your face on the on the horn. Are you alright? And you're just like. Oh yeah, cool. See you later. <laughs> it rolled the window back up. The door being locked the whole time, so he couldn't do it. <laughs> that's a little drunk, too drunk. Uh, yeah, that's too. That's too I much think, to drink. I think that's 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 overdoing it. I'm trying. I'm gonna try not to get that drunk tonight. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're you're doing okay so far. You're slow playing that first Newcastle. I think, well, I, I think I, alcohol in general should be off the limits for you know because I'm trying to re- heal my stomach right yes, now. But yes. um, you know, I think a mediumish beer, one or two, is going to do that me seems all right. Okay. Right. And if the not, then, then you'll know, and and uh, yeah, and then you do every podcast in the future sober and and. No, this is a temp- this is a rehabilitative moment for me. This isn't yeah. like the new normal. Or or, or it could be the sign of things to come, and you know, this is going to be a radical change. Sorry, I'm... yeah, it could be <laughs> right. Like when I woke up at that church. It's fun to joke about <laughs> catastrophic changes in your personal habits. It's 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 yeah, uh, yeah. No, I uh, um, most but of my. I feel like I know a lot of people who've had to sleep in their car because it was like a snowstorm or who you know one situation or another. So I think maybe yeah. you've gotten off easy. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, part of it is I just haven't owned a car for most oh, of my right. life. that's right. You know, that's right. So it's 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 a non-starter. You know, my needing to sleep in my car stories would be needing to sleep on someone's couch. I guess you're not you're not going to take that non-starter joke about a car oh, not starting. I can't man. believe you're leaving that one on the table for me. That, that, that's a, that's a real uh, <laughs> problem with your alternator right there. That's a. That's a, you know that came up on Twitter today. Someone brought up uh, the the Nissan Stanza. Right. Um, and then there was a, a a companion Nissan to that. Yeah, the that Nissan Versa. Versa, yes. right? I think I mentioned the Versa in the original uh, podcast where, oh, we, okay. where we found out that you were incapable of this game. And right. I still, I, you know, it's 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 totally weird and like it's it's a it's like saying no, you can't be colorblind. That's not a real thing. <laughs> you know, it's like it's such a weird fixation on my part because I'm so used to being in that headspace. It's like I I have trouble relating to the lack of that headspace even though i know that's like a ridiculous sort of self-centered way to be you know it's it's just part of like it 
that kind of that specific brand of dumb wordplay and whatnot <laughs> is so endemic to like my whole upbringing. Like me and my dad would do this. Like I was I was raised on dad jokes. Like you know not mm. not not just in the sense that I heard them, but like that that's that's how I was raised. You know dad jokes. You know the, the fact that I don't want children. The greatest tragedy of that is the fact that I'll never be able to tell an actual literal dad joke sure. in that sense. Uh, because I, I just love just a, a run of stupid puns. I love just running with a goddamn nonsensical, <laughs> you know, I can come up with every stupid rhyme you could hope for and, and, and you know, build a, a, a backstory for it with dumb jokes. I was telling, did you see the stupid detective jokes on Twitter the other day? No, I don't think oh, so. Oh, I'll look these up. Um, I was, I don't even, it just started because I, I, I was thinking about the phrase, the inside scoop. Um, oh yes, and, yes. Okay, and so yeah. yeah, I ended up writing a joke around it that I then fucked up and ran with because I I was thinking about the joke and I was like, oh no, this should be journalist, not detective. But the joke was, you know, uh, why did the detective interrogate the ice cream that she just ate? Because she wanted the inside scoop. Right. And then I wrote like twelve more of those on Twitter while people told me to stop. And you know, that's that's <laughs> that's how my my brain just is like, yes, okay, we're doing this now. We're doing this. <laughs> Until we collapse. We're doing this until we have to sleep in our car, mentally right. speaking, you know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's I, I guess that's where I'm, I'm coming from. Like, like it's, this is really, this is a me thing, not a you thing. That, you know, this arbitrary dumb idea I came up with, you know, isn't something that we're just going to run with for a half an hour at a stretch every time we sit down and record a podcast. But, uh Yes, I, was, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to misrepresent. Like, you know, life depended on it. I could, I could m- relate a word to another word. I just like, I can't. It, it, it has to like fit a format enough to kind of bubble up past the subconscious, typically for me, and be like past the litmus test of worth saying. <laughs> See, I have, I have no such boundaries. <laughs> and I it's am, not, it's totally don't mean that as a value judgment, just, but just that the, I mean, the effect of it is I start and I try and I really, I feel like I am dipping a ladle into an empty bowl over and yeah. over again. That's really what the sensation is like. Um, although, you know, I'm sure it's not beyond the actual physical or, you know, capability of my brain to make a word association to another word or whatever. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's just that I, 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 I'm so lost in, in, you know, in, in a joke format where there's not enough f- for me of a framework or yeah. a format. I think for me, yeah, there's something about my brain where I, I can really, my, my brain is really exercised at this point in, uh, outings along the lines of what does that cloud look like? I'll just, I'll <laughs> yeah. do that. I'll do that in joke form. Like, you know, Hey, that looks a little bit like a dog. How can I turn this into a joke about a dog? You know, it's like, it's like if I had to like explain what toddlers is Play-Doh carvings, you know, sculptures were, mm. you know, it's, it's that sort of level of like, I know I can get maybe, maybe not gold out of this, but I can mine something resembling a metal. So let's just, let, let's get, let's get wherever we can as fast as we can, as many times as we can as just a, I don't know. That's yeah. It's just, that's, that's the, the way the, the brain works. I want to talk about full house because that was apparently where my brain was yesterday. Someone, someone on the internet made a video, um, speculating that Danny Tanner, cause 
I don't know how many people remember the premise to Full House, but Danny Tanner, Bob Saget's character, uh, I believe the, the, the start of that was basically his wife died. And so then he's got his three daughters he's raising, DJ, Stephanie, and little Michelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's raising his daughters now as a single dad. Uh, and his brother, Jesse, and his best friend, not brother, uh, Joey, live together with them all in this big house. So it's a full house. It's a real full house, even though it's a huge house in San Francisco. It's like this, yeah. But sitcom houses, they're always sort of weird that way. Um, Anyway, so like his his wife has died and he's, you know, raising his daughters alone along with the help of his his buddies. Um, And and, and so the theory of this video was what if Michelle didn't exist and she was just something invented by Danny to cope with, with the loss of his wife. And so they, they edited the opening sequence of the show and like the first minute or so of some episode to remove Michelle from all the places where she is. So she's got Michelle Danny. is the youngest yes. daughter played by the Olsen twins. Yes. Okay. That, yeah. She was like, you know, like two years old or something when the right. show started. Um, and yeah, so they just edit her out. So he's like, you know, cradling a non-baby in the opening sequences in various spots and then he has a lengthy conversation with a chair and makes stephanie play along with you know michelle was at school today and and uh, they literally edited the video so he's like cradling empty yeah yeah, yeah. they, they, they removed her wow, digitally wow. with some That's compositing fantastic. yeah uh, and it's a great idea you know it's like I, I would like to see more of it i always like it when people try and remove elements from you know television shows like that anyway a couple of people have done uh, things where they remove the laugh track from laugh track sitcoms, hmm. uh, which always comes off a little bit more damning than it should. Because the thing is, yes, when you remove the laugh track from a sitcom built around a laugh track, you get these big dead-eyed pauses where people just stare at each other. But the thing is, they timed it for that. The jokes wouldn't be great if it worked better, but you should at least maybe try and edit out the pauses too and, and get the flow of the dumb jokes I don't if you want to so. be honest about it. I, no, I think that what you're what you're drawing attention to is the fact that you're sitting around in your house watching someone dead-eyed stare for two-thirds well, of the show. Well, and, and I, I think it's a fair criticism. I think there's problems with that sort of lazy pacing, but at the same time, as a criticism of, see, this show isn't funny at all without the laugh oh, track, sure. what you're really saying is this show isn't funny at all when you're unsettled by pacing that would never exist <laughs> if they had shot it for not having a laugh track. Like, right. I don't think, like, uh, Two and a Half Men would be a particularly funny show if it was shot without a laugh track and paced accordingly, but it would be less unsettling than an edited version of a clip of the actual show where you just killed the track and kept the pauses. You know, right. But anyway, that's Full House. Sure. What I'm getting at is <laughs> someone posted this thing to Metafilter. Mm-hmm. They, they posted the video and people started talking about it and I, I was entertained and I wrote a jokey comment in screenplay format about the you know panic guys in the, the office of continuity freaking out because the Michelle timelines bis- disappeared and then, the, and then the senior officer comes and he's like, man, we've got a problem. I, I know who did it. And they're like, what happened? Where did it go? She's like, it was Uncle Joey. He did it. The crazy son of a bitch finally did. And it's like, no, he, that's right. He cut it out, um, which was Joey's tagline. Yeah, it's uh, Dave Coulier. Uh, he'd be cut it out while making hand signals for it. Okay. This is, see, this is, this is, okay. This is your lack of reaction to this ties in perfectly to the next thing that happened <laughs> later that evening, which is Full House was not a very good show, and it was like 25 years ago now. It was like it was a shitty sitcom from a while ago, and someone in the in the thread made a joke about, has anybody made a Full House slash House of Cards 
uh, mashup yet. And I was like, my God, I don't think anybody has. I'm going to get on it. And so I, I'm, I'm Googling, you know, full house quotes and a couple different resources both come up with some selections. You know, IMDb's got some, WikiQuote's got some, some other page has some. And it turns out there's a real paucity of memorable quotes. And I, I watched a fair amount of this stupid fucking show at the time because I was a kid and, you know, it's like, whatever you do, you watch shitty sitcoms on TV. Yeah, sure. Um, and so I watched a fair amount of the show. And even then, I, I recognized four, like, short, punchy catchphrases that were stupid like you got it dude and you're in big trouble mister were both michelle lines and hmm. jesse john stamos would always like have mercy um hmm. because uh, yeah i don't know why um i mean i had seen the show but yeah. none of this is yeah well, it's, it's really it's like none of it has like like it's it's not it's not a quotable show it turns out and right. so I, I i grabbed a bunch of house of cards uh screenshots uh, from the web and I threw the lines I could on top of these and I, I made like eight or nine of these and I model uh, I modified the uh, House of Cards title screen to modify some of the letters to create full House of Cards mm-hmm. and and at the end I was like I spent like a half an hour just like cranking this out as fast as I could because like I'm sure I'm going to do this I put it up on my blog and I mentioned it in the thread and I tweeted it and like you know six or seven people were like oh yeah that's cute and and like a couple people were like ah, i don't really uh, remember enough about full house uh, <laughs> for this to make any sense but uh, hey you did that thing and i sort of realized at the end i just that was bad targeting on my part i chose like like i i imagine someone could do a better more doting job armed with a greater recall of full house and going and manually looking for specific screenshots from house of cards that fit those characters but I, I feel like you couldn't do a whole lot better without maybe just targeting it specifically at the hardcore full house fan base. Right, houses. Yeah, and I, I let me tell you, I, I won an argument sort of in it. It's one of those pyrrhic victories where by winning you sort of lose. But someone else in the <laughs> Metafilter thread story of my life because because I, I called him Uncle Jesse in my screenplay comment about you know the cut it out dumb joke setup, and then another guy in the thread was like. He's not Uncle Joey. He's he's Danny's best friend. I hate that I know this, but he's his friend. He's not his brother. He's not Uncle Joey. And and I was like, I screenshotted my own Google auto complete of mm-hmm. Uncle Jay said Uncle Joey Full House, which probably was just because I had searched for that earlier. But still, let's run yeah, with it. Or or maybe the, did the kids not refer to him as Uncle Joey in a loving way or something? No, no, they didn't. And oh, the thing okay. is, I, I'm only I'm only technically correct, which is the well, best sort of correct in a dumb <laughs> argument like this. But Uncle Jesse referred to him as Uncle Joey several times uh, in the show uh, in a few different episodes, talking okay. to his own twin kids. Uh and oh. so, so technically, he was called Uncle Joey, which which is good enough because the argument, but I not was, to the core family unit. Yeah. Okay. No, but I was combating the phrase "they never called him that," mm-hmm. which for a collective value of "they" <laughs> and a collective value of "never" was not true. So I felt really excited about that. But I found this out by looking on like full-house.org, <laughs> which is the fan site for a full house which includes a ton of but not a totally complete yet collection of fan written transcripts of the dialogue of the show which is uh part of how i managed to search this out Mm -hmm. and also a lot of fan fiction oh boy a lot of fan fiction oh boy for full house and it turns out that one of the authors of that fan fiction uh does use uncle joey fairly liberally uh so (laughs) i you know i don't know how that plays into the whole thing but it certainly suggests that those most dedicated to the show may be accepting of the Uncle Joey no- 
you know, moniker, even if it's not strictly uh, well supported by the canon. Sure. So uh, well, yeah, Uncle, uncle can just be a, a, a what do you call it? Just a term of endearment. Yeah, I think especially for like a close family friend. Sure, exactly. So you know, so that's two. There's two things I want to jump off for, uh, from that. <laughs> Please, it, do. although these are taking Please. me in a very different direction. No, let's let's go. One is when you. I, I understand in your particular case that how you, it can be a little make you feel a little crestfallen that you'll never get to be the dad actually literally telling the dad jokes to the kids. But there is a you know that. There's a mold for an uncle like that. Too. Oh, sure. Yeah. And yeah. you have siblings, right? I mean, is are, are you already yes. this uncle yes. or no, can I, you stand to be this um, uncle? One of one of one of my uh there's not really a gender neutral collective reference for nieces and nephews, is there? Not that I know of. Uh one of one, new, one, nooses. One, yeah, one of my <laughs> one, one of my dis, descendant Niblets. branches. Yeah, I think it's niblets. Uh, I have a niece who's old enough that I could really aggressively make dumb jokes at this point and, mm. and do it on occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have a another niece and a nephew, both of whom are still too young for me to really be able to get there. Uh, we yet. should stock up on zany '80s sweaters. Clearly, yes. Yeah, so yes. For when the day comes when you can just be the zany uncle. Yes, go to house, sure. houseofcosby.com and <laughs> order from their collection. Of- I'm talking about like white with like pink and turquoise triangles splayed across it. Like uh, whichever the guy we were just talking about from Full House likes to wear. Was it Janny or D- Danny or Joey? Janny, Janny. I bet there's fanfic about some weird hybrid Janny character who, they like both, Joey they both and Danny, walk into somehow. the teleporter pod at exactly. the same time and yeah. come out Janny. <laughs> the other thing is that at least three times in that Full House story, you slipped into your walk-in. It's not. See, okay, this is this is the thing that happens sometimes because I think the problem is, I you know I have I have the walk-in impression. It's not great, but it's it's better than. Average, uh-huh. whereby average I mean what the average person would produce if you said do Christopher Walken, uh, you know. And, and I so think I, it's great on any metric that I care about, I, and I'm happy with it. I enjoy it. I just, I, I, it's not, it's not what I would like. I like honestly, I like Christopher Walken enough, and I like the idea of a good impression enough that I'm not really happy with it. Uh, and it's real touch and go, but. But the thing is, there's it, and then there's just me getting into sort of a weird voice that's, I don't know, sort of like a vague <laughs> New England, New Yorker, something in there thing. And and so I'm not even thinking of it as like doing the walk-in thing or slipping into the walk-in. I'm just thinking of doing that. But I've, I've gotten that a couple times when I've just been sort of silly where people's like, oh, and then Christopher Walken thing that I think it's just... <laughs> It's like I wasn't trying to, and now it's a little bit weird that that's like you know, yeah. Well, it, it's funny because there's a there's a there's a um, supernatural uh, uh, situ. What do you call it? Uh, this headache is really taking my <laughs> vocabulary out and kicking its ass behind the barn. But the um, there's a, a, a supernatural theory of this thing called a walk in wherein your body temporarily plays host to an extra-dimensional or extra-terrestrial uh, 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 consciousness. You and your body is then I'm... temporarily taken over by this, you know, alien consciousness. And it's... then it leaves you, and then you are, you know, it's this bizarre, surreal experience. It's sort of like an automatic writing sort of yeah. uh, shtick. So you think you're, you're proposing a walk-in, walk-in. A walk-in, walk-in. That's that's something. That's yeah. uh, 
I think it's this is something. This is a, a connection that I think actually Angela has made in the past. <laughs> when I mentioned walk-ins in a Metafilter thread, so all credit to her. But the other thing is that um, I'm not the only one who has a fondness for your impression, and I got a request from a fan of the show. Really, that you. Um, do a line and i'm gonna try not to get it wrong like i have been as i repeat it to myself trying to remember it uh one of his lines from true romance do you uh, you remember true romance yeah i haven't seen it in a while but he's uh, a, he's he has an extraordinary brief you know yeah he's got that whole uh interrogation of uh dennis hopper is the big scene it's um he says your son i can see i i I can't even do it without doing the worst possible impression, so I'm going to just do it as dry as possible. Your son, fuckhead that he is. That's all. That's it. Your son, fuckhead that he is. Yes. Something like that. Yeah, I, 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 can't, uh, I can't remember the scene well enough to know how he delivered it, but yeah. It's, he's, he's like really like simmering with anger. Yeah. So, your, your son, fuckhead that he is. I don't even know what the rest of the line is, but that's, yeah. Well, we got a walk-in impression or attempt out of yeah, me. Yeah, there we well go. done. Cheers. You stepped up. I don't think well done is the right response. Well, but, uh, done. <laughs> attempted. Happened. <laughs> occurred. Did, did transpire. All right! Yay! Yeah! All right! Yay. Well, I'm, I'm glad we I'm glad we went there, and, and thank you whoever uh, asked for that. Uh, is this a good uh, pause moment for another break here? We'll, we'll take a break, and and we'll be uh, right back. Cool. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Our troubles will be out of sight. Hit it, boys. Have yourself. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. From now on. From now on, our troubles will be miles away. Miles away. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are, as in olden days. Happy golden days of yore. Friends who are dear to us, get near to us once more. Once more, through the years. Through the years, we all will be together, if the fates allow. Hang a shining, shining star on the highest bough. And now we're back. We might be back this time. I think we're back this time. All right. We were back before. <laughs> if uh, if you missed it because we weren't recording it, I said, and we're back when we weren't recording. Yeah. Uh, so for Ooh, everybody who was, everybody who was here in the studio out. when that happened, <laughs> takes you back, doesn't it? Let's. Uh, I'll never yeah. forget the day you said, and we're back when Good we weren't actually was, back. I made a liar of myself <laughs> is what happened. Hoisted. No, Hoist. 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 By your own petard. Well done. Um, I, I don't know if you had something to come back to with this. I just had a, a question that had occurred to me um, that I would be curious to ask you, unless you have something. Shoot. No, no, I got nothing. Go. Um, 
you be, because you've been uh, playing music, and I think to some extent playing music live in front of audiences and stuff for years. I, I and have stuff, historically, yeah. Um, I was wondering, like, is there like a, a, a what's the word I'm looking for? I'm really sorry. This episode I've been feel like really has been scattered, but um, sense is of a godlike power. Over no, a precedent. Precedent is oh, the okay, word I was looking sorry. for. No, I have to interrupt you. <laughs> Because if I don't say it, I'll lose it again. Um, is there a precedent for when you are opening for another band or another band is opening for you, whether you see, like sit in the audience and watch each other play? Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say precedent is the word because, I mean, the easy answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happens plenty of times. Uh, I would, But, I mean, is it, is it, would it be rude not to? Because it seems like headlining bands usually show up late. Like, they yeah. usually will show up at the venue after at least the first band has already finished yeah. their set and stuff like that. I, I I would say the politest possible outcome for a show that doesn't involve like some seriously established crazy touring band or something where it's more like, you know, people in the same town, especially the polite thing ultimately would be for everybody to be there for everybody else's set. Mm -hmm. Uh, Realistically speaking, I I don't expect that Uh, if you are the headliner and you don't get there early. That may be kind of a dick move more from a, a show setup perspective because the folks doing the booking want to make sure their acts are actually showing up. The folks doing the stage management want to make sure they can actually get sound checks for everything and make sure everybody's gear is where it needs to be. Sure. So it's it's kind of like the other bands are not even the ones who are going to be as anxious about a band not showing up ahead of time uh, as probably the people running the house and it could be a situation where they all show up for sound check and then they leave and then me the audience yeah. member shows up and i just happen to notice that like someone i would recognize from the headlining band at a small club where they where else would they be except kind of in the audience they're not there they're down yeah. the street whatever and but and yeah basically it's all over the place people do all okay. sorts of things people if you're playing in in your own town and you know the area and you would rather be drinking before the show or something somewhere other than the place you're actually playing that's not really surprising and plenty of people do that so it's it's kind of all over the board uh, it kind of sucks if someone brings people as an opener and then they leave and, and so do people. Together. But I mean, at the same time, <laughs> you know, it's what he do. So it's, it's right. one of those things where like the ideal situation where everybody is just enthralled to the idea of musical performance and everybody's in it together and blah, 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 blah. I don't think that manifests too consistently, but it happens sometimes. Uh, plenty of bands hang around to see the bands after them play or hang around before the show to watch the bands before them play. As one of the performers, do you feel like it matters to you, uh, aside from the bring taking their audience with them when they leave thing? Does it feel it like doesn't it... matter to me. I mean, I want I, I would like an audience to be there, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't really care who it is per se. You know, I've never been in a band that drew a serious enough of a crowd or a following that, like, I would recognize who was and was not there besides a couple friends of mine maybe. Sure. Uh, so it, it's never been something that I've really had to think super hard about. You know, when you're a nobody band playing in town, mostly what you expect is to have a shitty lack of crowd. And then you're happy when there's, you know, actually 24 people paying attention. Hmm. You know, so as far as that goes, it kind of sucks to have the band leave if there's nobody else there either. Because it's like, it's 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 kind of a sad little thing to say. There's 10 people here and eight of them are in the other bands on the ticket. But at least there's 10 people there and the other bands are watching. And, hey, you can talk a little bit between sets. Be like, hey, that was nice. I like that. Yeah, that was, yeah. was a cool thing. Yeah, I like that cover. Blah, 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 blah. You know, uh, compare that to, like, you know, the one drunken dude who's 50 years old in the back <laughs> who shouts between every songs. 
yeah, it's it's nicer to have people there than not have people there. I've been I've been at shows that aside from me were effectively just three bands watching each other play. Yeah, it's it's really kind of common. And now. I didn't, but I thought it was cool. I mean, de- depending on the tenor of the bands and their relationship with each other, it can be actually kind of a cool thing because it's they the their performance is is more like showcasing the music and what they're here to do than yeah. to really try to play to like an uh, win an audience well, yeah and there's, the, and it's there's a couple, really cool when it's yeah. i mean it's different you know like you hear people describe someone as a comedian's comedian or something like that it's cool to kind of get to glimpse of that side of a band too yeah where a band playing for other bands that they know and respect and have listened to yeah. also can actually have a different tenor than a playing for a moderate size just you know audience of random people sure and it, it, it's I, I think there's basically there's just there's multiple things going on because part of it is yeah I like one really rapt attentive audience member who's not also like weird uh, <laughs> is worth ten people drinking and having a loud conversation in the room like you sure. know it's like I would if someone's like literally not paying attention I would much rather they just not be there because someone who's not paying attention is not also being quiet and it's just like noise in the background of the show and fuck them you know it's like they're not here for me I'm not here for them we can mutually just go fuck each other and I'd rather they do it quietly <laughs> elsewhere uh, but you know someone who's actually really paying attention if it's if they're a member of another band or if they're the other band uh, that's fine you know if they're some random Joe Schmo that's fine you mm. know uh, members of the other band sitting around being loud jackasses is not great. But, you know, to some extent, bands tend to be a little bit smarter about that. Like, I think they tend to be aware that if they're just going to be noisy jackasses, they should go somewhere else. You know, it's a little bit of a simpatico thing. They're right. not universal, but at least a little bit more self-aware. Right. Um, but, yeah, no, it's there's there's definitely some value in playing for people who are specifically into what you're doing. And I think the sort of, like, musical collective aspect of that can be totally fine. And if you're playing for that, that's fine. Uh, part of the thing is gigging is a pain in the ass. Like, you know, there's there's upsides to it, which mostly come down to public performance, you know, either as a, an a opportunity to perform outside of your comfortable practice space, which has its own sort of like, there's a little bit of thrill to be doing something not in the super comfortable space. But there's also, you know, playing for an audience and playing for people who are there to hear music, you know, maybe maybe to hear your music, maybe just to hear music and yours is what's there. Hmm. But, you know, that's that's an appeal. And that's sort of the payoff for doing a bunch of bullshit. Like you got a book, you got a schlep, you know, depending on the venue, maybe you have to do bullshit like pre-sell tickets if you want to actually get anything from the door. Hmm. In a lot of cases, maybe you're just not going to get anything you know, you know, you you get to show up and play and they'll give you a couple drink tickets and, you know, you can drink a couple of beers or well cocktails for free and that's that's it it pays shit you know it's like if you're not on the upper tier of like successful you're not even making shit off of playing you know like the top 20 percent are probably making minimum wage if they're gigging regularly off of their gigging so it's like Hmm. the payoff has to be something and if you're just super satisfied with the process that's great but it is you know you got to show up ahead of time you got to load in you got to sound check uh, you got to schlep your shit, you know, to, you got to break down and schlep your shit from afterwards. You know, there's a bunch of sort of time and labor and effort involved in just showing up and playing a show somewhere compared to 
staying home and just doing in-house recording or jamming or whatever. Yeah, and there's a and there's a aspect of vulnerability to the audience's whims. I mean, if so, you know, someone could be so much of a dick that you come away from the experience really like depressed about, you know, <sighs> or maybe not. Maybe, you know, uh, you, I'm, you come I'm again. speculating. For me, for me, for me, I'm really over it. Like I okay. will show up and play a shitty gig and if it's shitty and the audience sucks, mm-hmm. I'll think, oh, wow, that was a shitty audience. And then that's pretty much it. I mean, it's it's part of why I'm not burning to go out and play gigs all the time and, and why I've sort of taken a few years off from really doing that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm in a band again now, and I look forward to us being able to play out sometime when the stars align, but I'm also not hungry for it like it was when I joined my first band years ago. Like, then I wanted to play every shitty gig we could get because mm-hmm. I was sort of excited just about the idea of gigging out with a band. Mm-hmm. And then we played a bunch of gigs, and a lot of them were shitty. And I sort of learned from that experience that, oh, okay, gigging gigs can be kind of shitty. And, you know, I still, there's a part of me that will like, oh, yeah, but if I'm enjoying making music, I'll show up and play a shitty gig for no one and whatever. But I'm also much less just gonzo about it. Like, you know, there was that period where I just wanted to play out. And now I'm like, you know what? If it sounds like an interesting gig, sure. Or if I just really want to get out on a stage with this mm. material, sure. But... uh I think it tempers with time to some extent. And maybe for some people it just never does. I sure. mean, that may be a thing. I may not be a fanatic for public performance in the same sense. And maybe that's why I haven't been doing it so much is like the downsides of it have caught up with me to the point where I'm like, yeah, I really need to be convinced that I want to go do this. Right. But uh, I don't know. It's complicated. Uh, continuing on this vein of <laughs> making suggestions about things that I actually don't know shit about. Sure, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, do a, a point of comparison I, that that occurred to me was I, I as I understand it never had literally never having been to like a poetry slam open mic reading anything like that but that a problem that they have is people will show up to go on stage and read and then they will you know put their paper in their pocket and walk out yeah and there's a lot of that like imbalance of attention where you know if you expect you know 30 people to listen to you who also those 30 people have something to say do them the same service and like hear them out too right otherwise you're just being like this relatively you know selfish totally shithead and and it's detrimental to the scene you know it's detrimental to the communal aspect of it and things like that um not that this is where I was going with it, but I sometimes wonder if if there's a bit of that in Ask Metafilter, where some people are clearly like kind of wired to be takers, as oh, in I... they ask questions but never answer. Yeah, totally. Uh, and you know, other people are wired to be you know givers, and because they would rather answer questions than yeah. ask. But maybe that's more like, well, it's a big stew, and it's all homogenizes, and questions get answered, and it works out. Whereas maybe it's more problematic in a smaller scene, well, like an open mic poetry reading or poetry slam. I think the answer is sort of the same for those. Like, like ask Metafilter gets away with it to some extent because we've got like you know thousands of people who come by on an even day, literally. You know, right. so there's going to be plenty of people to answer a question even if it's asked by someone who isn't going to answer questions themselves and that's fine you know right. and there's lots of people who just like hanging around asking honestly you know to some extent we have a few people who really like answering more than they probably should and it's a weird management <laughs> problem from a moderation right. side because like right. seriously i know you're bored i know you're underemployed but you don't know anything about this question you're just <laughs> talking you're not answering the question you're talking about a thing the question reminds of reminds right. you of you know so you get that whole that whole mix um, and I think any healthy open mic, any healthy so you know poetry slam sort of situation 
thrives to some extent off a base of regulars who have to be sort of in it for Mm -hmm. just the regularity of things. So for every guy who comes in and pulls out his paper, you know, when he hears his name and reads his thing and then leaves, uh, you've got 20 people sitting around who show up every week you know, or every other week, at least, you know, you've got this base of people who are going to, they want to sit around, they want to drink coffee, they they sort of enjoy the process of people doing this open mic thing, you know, and they enjoy being regulars, and they're just going to lay it down this basis of support, so that even when people do sort of like, you know, take but not give or whatever, it works out okay, you know, and, and it's sort of the same thing writ small compared to something like Ask mm-hmm. Benefilter. Um, and yeah, I think that's basically the ones that work versus the ones that don't. Because open mics dry up, you know, people start them and some of them last and some of them don't. And I think it's really on that basis. Like if you have a bunch of people who are just kind of willing to be that 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 substrate, that basis that makes the whole thing work, even if people are individually being selfish sometimes, you know, it works out okay. And that's the, that's the thing is like open mic culture. I love open mics. You know, I, I don't necessarily want to go to them, but I love that they exist and they were very formative for me. Hmm. Um, like, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the show really, but uh, I, I I really came out of my shell as a perform- performer at all uh, early on in high school when I was like starting to play guitar and starting to write songs because of the open mic and creative writing stuff we had at my high school. And I ended up, by the end of high school, I was the one organizing the you know weekly open mic in the school library. And I was going to down to Cafe Lena, which no longer exists. It's Jam now in Hawthorne. Hmm. Um, but when I was in high school, that was like the place. And you know I got invited by some of the people who were regulars at the school thing saying, hey, come to this actual, like there's this, actual open mic run in this cafe and started doing that. And that's where I like really got over my uh, stage fright mm-hmm. as a, you know, singer songwriter and stood up and started playing songs in front of these people and like getting happy feedback. I was like, Oh, this is pretty okay. And you know, I, I wrote a song about it, which we will probably have ended up using previously in the show at this point for a musical break called up on the, at the open mic. That's all about mm-hmm. that sort of that thing. And, uh, Aww. Ah, oh. so yeah, no. The open mics are really meaningful for me, and I, I think they're a great format. They're 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 not without their problems, and investing too much in the expectations set by an open mic can be a problem if you ever want to move into any performance that's not so sort of intentionally inclusive and forgiving. But it's also kind of a great place for people to cut their teeth and sort of get over a little bit of that terror of mm. you know performance because uh, you can be sort of freaked out and weird and, and selfish and whatnot. And it's kind of okay because like whatever, other people are going to just keep drinking their coffee and they'll clap politely or they'll go out to smoke if they think you're terrible and you know they won't get in your face about it. And Yeah. Do you think that there's a uh, responsibility of an artist to be a patron of their art form I, uh, outside of that? Like, I, do you think it's a, it's a responsibility of a painter to s- seek out the work of other painters or a writer to read other writers? I think it's at least a collective responsibility. And that's tricky because it's hard to hold people accountable at an individual level if you don't like actually enforce it at an individual level. But I feel like it works out. Sure. Uh, so I think, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of, there's always going to be a lot of musicians who are into musical performance just for the sake of it or into it because like they like seeing what other people are doing. And, you know, there's going to be people who aren't, but it's probably going to balance out. And that may be sort of the definition of whether you have a scene or not, you know, Mm. which is a word that I find terrifying because I feel like people have very strong feelings about what a scene is. Right. Whereas I'm like, oh, well, there's probably a music scene in town. You know, if you have enough people who are into it for that, the, the sake of it, who are sort of subscribing to that philosophy of supportiveness, then I think you end up with something that 
you know, works well, but you can't force it either. Like you can't take someone who's like fundamentally uninterested in doing that and just make them be interested and make them be supportive. So sure. I mean, I've read interviews with writers who are like, yeah, I don't really read anyone else. <laughs> and it, it, it's weird to know how to take that because it's, um, it's a little dispiriting to hear someone like that. Cause it's just like, that just feels like that person's just like kind of a social taker. And, yeah. but they're also like, maybe their writing is great. Like maybe they're giving as much back. Like maybe who, who's to say that their responsibility well, and, is necessarily and, and, to consume other writers. Yeah, or whatever. And not everybody's going to, you know, like do the best job of giving back for that matter. Like right. you don't, you don't want to take someone like that's sort of like the, to go back to ask Metafilter, really, that's, that's something that's been proposed every once in a while. Someone will bring up on the site, on MetaTalk, the the meta discussion part of the site, they'll they'll basically complain about people who ask but don't answer questions, mm-hmm. you know. And our response as moderators is always basically a polite form of "Really, go fuck yourself." Mm-hmm. You you know what are you thinking? Uh, you want to take someone who is not inclined to answer questions and force them, require them by quota to answer questions. We don't want people who don't feel like they have an answer to a question to answer a question to fill a quota. Yeah, like you right. know. If you're not sure that you've got something to contribute to a thread, we don't want you to. No, God, no. Why, why would we compel you to make shit up on a site that's trying to achieve some sort of utility? Some people are going to have more answers, and that's fine. And some people aren't going to have so much answers, and that's fine, too. And I mean, know. the devil's advocate argument would be that, that there's some people who just have never been compelled to find questions that they would actually be particularly really well suited to answer potentially but just because that's just not their mode of interaction with the site and to compel those people to seek out questions that they can answer for other people could bring new and good answers just as just maybe easily. but do you it it, it it it's a presumption that people are going to react well to being compelled it's a presumption that you're actually going to get something good out of it. it's a presumption that there's actually going to be a good efficient mechanism for that right uh you know there's there's, there's a lot of ifs in there and i think like in the ideal universe, again, you know, imagining what would happen if everything was just perfect, everybody would answer every question that they had a good answer to that contributed, you know, to to the thread. But mm-hmm. getting everybody's eyes on every question is hard. Not everybody even has time. You know, if someone happens to be very busy, have very little spare time, but they want to ask Metafilter a question that they have about something they're dealing with, that sort of just needs to be okay, you know. It's like, and it's not, it's not our place to figure. Okay, but we need to put the thumb on you. Put the thumb on you. <laughs> put you under our thumb. Turn the screw. Yeah, we don't need to metaphorically compel you to take time to do the thing that other people are doing if you don't have the time and the inclination to do it. You know, so it's, sure. it's, and I think it's the same thing for creative communities. Like, you know, it really is that. Like, you know, it's going to work if people have a natural enthusiasm for it. It's not going to work. If you have to compel people, like if you have to make rules about staying to watch the other band, there's already a problem. Like, you know, right. you can put it out there as etiquette. You can talk about the idea with people in bands and let them draw their own conclusions. But, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do. And if it works in a way that's a self-sustaining system, great. If not, it's just not, you know. And sure. if you don't like what's going on in your town, if there's not something going there, art's kind of hard. You have to move somewhere else, you know. Go somewhere where there is the scene you want there to be, I guess, or find a way to make the scene by doing constructive things rather than trying to fix the problems with other people's natural inclinations. Right, or even divest yourself from the need for feedback at all. Well, that's, maybe yeah. is an answer. I don't know. Maybe it is. Well, yeah, well, it depends on whether the feedback is a core thing for you. So. Sure, sure. 
Well, we should um put what did you say? Put our thumb. We should put our thumb on people to uh, I guess <laughs> <laughs> review the podcast. Yes, let's. Uh, we're, we're we're officially turning the screw into your thumb. Right. We're, we're putting a pin in your thumb screws. Right. Um. To uh. Yeah. Well, and there are a couple more. There are a couple more. Uh, reviews on the podcast since uh, the last time I sang I songs. I realize there's a problem. I, don't, I didn't. I don't know how to. iTunes doesn't seem to sort them in the way that I would assume iTunes would sort them, which would be reverse chronologically. Yeah. I. I so you're gonna have to I, remember. I mean, as 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 the hundreds of reviews start to pour in. Yes. After yes. It just but still balls I, out episodes like this one. I I, th- I think <laughs> I think I've got a chronological view of the reviews. At least on my iTunes, so oh, okay. so I know which new ones are new. Partly because I remember, but partly I think they the get date. shuffled by when other people click. Was this review helpful? Oh, yes, they no. might. I'll, I'll have to take a close look. But anyway, there's a couple more songs. You can coming. have to get a sharpie and put an X on your monitor next to the ones that you've already. Yes, yes, that's the way about, to do it. Yeah. I think. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. I think uh, uh, I've definitely got a couple more songs to review. So oh, good. Th- th- those will those will be in uh, the other break that we took. I guess. That's Maybe the, they will. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, probably. As as what of else this recording, doing, it's not know? even a finished episode yeah, yet. When, so well, who you know, knows? I like what this I like I like, like prognosticating. It's, yes. it's fun. It, it, it makes me uh, incredibly stressed out later when I'm trying to fulfill obligations. It's good. It's right. It's, it's a, a nice self fulfilling stress prophecy. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. uh, you know, prophecy. That was a good movie. Yeah. Christopher Walken. You know, we should. <laughs> <laughs> should start a podcast where we just review every prophecy movie in order. That'd be a good idea. That sounds like a yeah. really good format for Branch a podcast. Out to yeah. other horror movies. No, I think, I think I think that'd be fun. <laughs> hey, when when's your podcast coming back? What's the situation there? Uh, I'm working out the timing with Aaron, who's my kind of perpetual co-host. Um, yeah, we have to line up some stuff. I have to I have to make the time for it too and stuff. There's there actually are a lot of good ideas. To, in my mind, good idea. Not that they came from me. Let me start over. <laughs> there are good ideas for upcoming episodes to how we're going to come back from our hiatus on In the Cut, my movie podcast. Um, and uh, none of them came from me. <laughs> but I'm going to use them <laughs> that's, because that's I think all that they matters. are good. So, it's, it's uh, all about yeah, execution. no, I'm optimistic about it. I had, I had foreseen, you know, February, maybe March. Um, at this point, it may not even be that. Uh, I'm going to be in New York City in April. That was another thing I'd actually mentioned to ask. Have you ever been to New York City? A couple times. Okay, let's briefly. talk about that next time because yeah. I want to pick your brain yeah, on we'll, it because we'll I've never been to D.C. Oh. or New York. Excellent. It'll be fun. And I'm going to be going to both, and I want to know what the fuck I'm getting into. So. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to be that useful, but All right. I can tell you some things. <laughs> well, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to In the Cut coming back. I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to the next episode of We Have Such Films to show well, you. We Ringu was today. the last we, one? Yeah, or? we just posted today. I, I recorded a song that's a parody of the song at the end credits of the film we watched, which was 1981 Canadian slasher fic, uh, My Bloody Valentine. Oh, that's right. Which has a song at the end that tells the story of the movie, sort of, in the fashion of, say, the Adams Family rap. Uh, <laughs> and so I wrote a song that parodies this. It's, bas- it's a song sort of about the song about the movie, but also about the movie and also about Moosehead Beer, which prominently figures in the film. Hmm. Uh, and so that was kind of a, it was a little bit of songwriting. It was a good time. But, uh, but That's yeah, great. So. I'm lost. What, are we talking about a podcast? Yeah, yeah. Where okay. am I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So that's my movie podcast. For sure. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, we'll, we'll, And we forgot to mention uh, Newcastle Brown Ale. Yes, Newcastle Brown Ale. Is the, the beer one we were drinking only. today. The one and during only. During this podcast. Yes, it's like Coles to Newcastle Brown Ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, me and, uh, me and uh, fantastic musician, bassist, singer from Skeleton Key and Lounge Lizards, um, Eric Sanko, had a Newcastle Brown Ale together once. And that was my first run in with meeting someone who I had... You know, previously just admired from afar, Aww. and it went very awkwardly and badly, and That's awesome. started a series of very, <laughs> uh, variously awkward, terrible, or catastrophic run-ins with people who I really admired. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, here's to you, Eric. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Josh. No problem. All right, we'll we'll, we'll talk to y'all uh, next time. Woo.